My guest today is David Blinoff. He's the founder of a growth marketing agency based here in Helsinki. It was really fun to talk to him. He's a marketing nerd just like me. He's been doing it since he was 15 years old. I got a chance to hear his story about getting started. We talked about the importance of failure, the importance of experimenting, the value of mentors, and we had a nice debate on whether humans know everything we need to know by the age of 23. So, let's get into it. I'm Tan Lei. This is Noticing the Obvious. David, why and how did you get into digital marketing at the age of 15? Um, I was originally born in, in Latvia, and uh, I don't know how much you know about that place, but in the 90s, early 2000s, it was pretty sad. It was, it was a pretty poor country. And uh, I was born to, to a poor family as well. And, you know, a lot of the time we literally didn't have money for food. It was a little bit tricky. So when I was a teenager, at some points it was either I made some money or I went to bed hungry. It was that bad. Wow. I had to be creative. I had to start very early and start coming up with ways to, to make some cash. And, um, you know, I remember being uh, 16 years old and I had, you know, 10 euros to my name. And uh, I, I, I was about to go and spend that money on, on things that teenagers usually, usually buy. So, you know, snacks and, and lemonade mm. and, um, and, and what have you. And I was standing in the, in the supermarket at the checkout register. And I knew that there was all the money I had to my name. And there was no way for me to get any more money. My parents couldn't give me any. And I, I knew that, you know, after I finished, finished those snacks and I spend that cash, I will just feel bad about myself and, um, and, and I will be lost and I will be back to square one. Mm. And it's interesting because as I was standing there and I was sort of feeling sorry for myself, um, I noticed the, the magazine stands that is usually next to the uh, uh, checkout register. And there was a computer magazine. It was, you know, a popular thing back in the days. Uh, yes. People were sort of still learning that whole internet thing, you know, the yes. interwebs. And there was a coupon in the magazine. It was sort of right on the uh, on the title page there. You could see it very clearly. And uh, it had an interesting offer. Uh, for 10 euros, if you buy that magazine, uh, you could get a domain name and uh, website hosting for three months, right? Wow. It was, it was some kind of special offer. And uh, at that time, I knew nothing about uh, online marketing. I knew nothing about websites. But I looked at that 10 euros that I had in my hand and and i noticed those two choices i could either spend the money and feel sorry for myself or i could give myself an opportunity to learn something new i would have three months to to learn something and you know what worst case i learn new skills and best case maybe something good could come out of it Hmm. so i made uh, i made the right choice in hindsight um i i bought that magazine i registered i did a bit of research i registered a website and uh, I would promote uh, different software and services, uh, online services and online software um, and get an affiliate commission in, in return uh, for awesome. that traffic and those, and those signups that I would send. And I didn't know, once again, anything about websites. I had to learn, I had to learn how to build them from scratch. I taught myself HTML. I taught myself to use Photoshop and, and do some basic design. And then I would simply you know, find people on the internet through different message boards and online forums who um, would have problems that my 
software products could solve. And I would literally approach them personally and say, hey, you know what? I've noticed that you're you're looking for this service or this uh, to solve this problem that you have. And I know of a tool or of a website that could help you. And here's a link to that. <laughs> and awesome. um, and I got I got a couple of uh, people to start using the products that I was promoting. And at the end of the first three months, um, I actually had a small but uh, steady stream of income coming in. And uh, I was able to sort of uh, pay for my for my website hosting and uh, pay for my um, next rounds of education. Excellent. And it was it was really interesting because um, after those first couple of months, I got confident enough to sort of start scaling a little bit, and I hired my high school classmates to work for me. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know that you're supposed to sort of pay taxes or, you know, what a payroll even meant. So uh, I was literally bringing them their paychecks in envelopes uh, into the classroom, which was really, it makes you feel, uh, you know, on top of the world. It makes you feel like a big shot when you're mm. the 16-year-old kid and, and you have uh, a couple of people working for you and you're paying them the salaries before the uh, English class in the morning. Wow, it was it was quite exciting. So um, that's where it started. Those were sort of the very first steps, and uh, you know I'm 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 30 now, and uh, it means that for the last 14 years I've been I've been um, in this world of digital marketing. So you said 14 years. So so it was 2006. We're talking about. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it feels like it feels like a very long time ago. So. You already made money right away. I mean, is I that? Mean, yeah. Were you, are, you, are you surprised now looking back? Like just from that first 10 euros and that first website that you set up, you made affiliate, you know, money straight away. Not knowing you know what, anything. Um, you know what? The internet was definitely um, a wild west back in the day. Right? Mm. Uh, there were fewer rules and uh, things were a little bit simpler, a bit more straightforward. But I think what played to my advantage as well was the fact that I didn't actually know anything. I And because I didn't know anything, I was also not afraid of failure. Mm. And I was just, I would experiment, I would try new things. And uh, if something didn't work, I would move on to the next idea or the next method. And without that fear of failure, everything was new and exciting to me. And eventually, eventually I just stumbled upon something that worked for me. And... You know, it did, of course, backfire um, fairly soon because being a 16-year-old and mm. starting to make some money online, it makes you feel smarter than everybody else. It makes you feel on top of the world. And and those first few things that I tried, they worked so well that I kind of felt invincible almost. Mm. I felt like... You got arrogant. I got arrogant. And I felt like whatever I, you know, I put my... Um, my hands on would turn into gold. And uh, I, I would assume that I know better than the markets. I would assume that, you know, if I invest cash into something and I build something, then people would come and buy it from me simply because I built it. And I was so smart and so, so brilliant. And that was not the case. That was mm. not the case. And I've, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way. There was no one there to, to sort of mentor me perhaps and tell me that, hey, you know what, you should actually listen to the market. You should perhaps do a little bit of research and see whether the thing you're building is interesting to anybody. But I made my mistakes. I've lost everything many, many times. And um, it was 
fun and it was educational as well. Hmm. Can you tell us what do you do now today? You know what? Um, at some point a couple of years ago, I realized that I've um, I've gathered so much experience in digital marketing. I've yeah. learned a lot about uh, the tools that are out there, uh, the modern methods that exist today. And I've noticed at the same time how most companies don't take advantage of the opportunities that modern marketing gives them. Uh, in particular, back in the day, three years ago, marketing automation was a thing that was just coming to Finland. People had no idea that you could automate most of your marketing activities, mm-hmm. that you could make them more effective, more personalized, that you could make your messaging more meaningful. And I, I saw an opportunity there and I felt like I could start um, selling my experience to companies and I could help them do marketing in a better way. So I started my current company uh, just under three years ago. Mm. Um, and uh, we've, we've gone through quite a few iterations, um, sort of trying to find the focus area, experimenting with uh, different different approaches. And right now we're, fo- we're, we're focused entirely on uh, B2B growth marketing. So what we do is we help uh, business-to-business organizations get more leads, get more customers, and build scalable, measurable, and modern digital marketing processes. Mm. So obviously in this field of digital marketing, everything changes so quickly. And tactics that worked even a few years ago not necessarily apply now because just general human knowledge is expanding so much, you know, like things that nobody knew uh, two years ago, we know now. So then if that's the case, what, what do you think, you know, what are the skills that we need to be developing? Because if we just work on tactics, they're going to be obsolete in a few years. Exactly. And I think it's one of the, um, one of the key issues that we've been facing in the last couple of years in, in, in the marketing community, companies come to me every week, marketers come to me and they say, look, what we did, what used to work for us a couple of years ago, doesn't work anymore mm. for whatever reason, you know, the, the channels and the messages that worked for us and they brought us the leads and the sales they just stopped working. And companies, companies come to us and they say, look, our sales have been, stale for for the last couple of years and no matter what we do no matter what we try it doesn't seem to move the needle at all Mm. and we see this trend you know we see this trend growing it changes all the time it it continues all the time and and the reason i personally believe it's happening is because customer expectations keep growing and they keep increasing all the time if we think about if we think about the kind of uh, services, the kind of tools and, and, and websites that you use on a daily basis, mm. you know, you, when you leave work, you take you take an Uber and you go home. Uh, you order your dinner from services like Walt and Foodora if you don't feel like cooking. Mm. You do your shopping on, on sites like Zalando and Amazon. And those services, those consumer services, they have set the level of expectations so incredibly high. Everything is instant. Everything is personalized. You know, if you have to wait for your Uber for 10 minutes, you just, you know, you lose it because Mm. what is this? You know, how come I have to wait? It's 2020. I want everything to happen to me right now. Mm. And then when those people go back to work, and by those people, I mean every single one of us because 
we're, we're spoiled by those services. When we go, go back to work on a Monday morning, we don't just sort of magically put our you know, B2B or B2C customer back, hat back on and, and lower our expectations for marketing. We don't just magically become okay with the crappy uh, non-personal newsletters that we've been getting for the last 20 years from brands. Yeah, we don't just magically grow patience. <laughs> exactly. We don't magically grow patience. And because of because these changes have happened so rapidly, they happened in the last couple of years, companies simply, many companies simply cannot keep up. And for many of them, it's a shock because the things that used to work are now suddenly below par and they're suddenly not matching the expectations that customers have. And then the question is, what do you do? What do you try? Because there are hundreds of different channels and methods and tools and and every time you open LinkedIn or you talk to someone, everyone seems to have a different strategy or a different, a different tool they're promoting or a different method that they're advocating. And then it's in human nature to go and start looking for this silver bullet, this yes. magic strategy that will just solve everything. But what I believe in and what is sort of at the very core of my personal philosophy and my company's philosophy as well is experimentation right? Hmm. It's this constant, you know, constant effort to, to keep trying new things and keep finding new ways to reach customers in a more meaningful and personalized way. Because the truth is, no matter how good you are, no matter how talented and brilliant you are, most of the time, if you come up with a huge, brilliant campaign plan or a brilliant strategy, and you invest a lot of time and money into it, and then you cr cross your fingers and you hope it works, mm. most of the time you're going to be wrong. You will have wasted a lot of time and money simply because of how different and complex marketing is today. But instead, what I believe you should do is try a hundred new things in a very quick way, collect data, learn about what works and what doesn't. And a lot of the time you would find one or two things that work really well for your brand and your company and your product and perhaps 99 things that don't work at all. And it is through this experiment-driven process, through constant learning, through this controlled failure in a way, is how you can always keep up with customer expectations. Yeah. And it's especially in 2020. Like now is the time when experimenting is so easy and cheap like you couldn't you know 20 years ago you couldn't even if you wanted to experiment you know everything was it was expensive and time consuming now like you said we can just fire out a ton of different stuff and then just learn as we go as we fail and i'm a huge fan of like how that you know companies that are proud of failure <laughs> like I've heard of a few cases where CEOs actually ask their teams to fail, like go out and collect failures this week. Because if you're not failing, you're not experimenting. Exactly. And, you know, funny that you should mention it. I literally just read a, um, a post on LinkedIn from the managing uh, director at uh, Visma, Visma Software, a oh. big Finnish company. What did he say? Um, and, and he said that his team, his team uh, sort of, made this failure board like a physical board on the wall where wow. they would write down their failed experiments and then encourage the managing director to sort of take part and write down what he tried and failed at this week 
And I think it's a very, um, you know, it's a very encouraging example. It's a fantastic example of the kind of culture that you can build inside organizations. And, you know, from my experience, unfortunately, that's almost never the case. Yeah. <laughs> What do you mean it's never the case? Like not enough people follow that. You know, in mo I, I, I can go as far as saying that in most companies, failure is not accepted yes. as a way of learning. And we've done quite a bit of research uh, on that subject for one of the uh, one of the events that we did a couple of months ago. In fact, in over 70% of the companies, failure is looked down upon. Mm. And at that event that we had, we, we had an open discussion with marketing leaders uh, from different different B2B companies. And, and many of them, honestly and openly told us that, hey, we would love to experiment. We would love to, honestly. It's a fantastic way to learn. It's a great way to improve. But in our company, you simply cannot fail. It's, it's seen as a shameful thing to do. <laughs> right. But that's not just, I mean, it is, it is companies, but where does it start? It starts at the human level. People, we know, we know, like, don't fail, sorry, Uh, don't fear failure. That's a cliche. Everybody knows you shouldn't fear failure, but everybody still fears it even from a human level. So, of course, we're, businesses are going to look down upon failure. Nobody's going to celebrate failure. It sounds good in theory, but nobody's going to actually do it. <laughs> you know, I, th I think you're right. I, I, I feel like there are maybe two sides to the coin, of course. Um, you know, failure can bring certain feelings on a personal level. It never feels good to fail but i also feel like change needs to come from the company culture level at the same time um if the company sort of proactively communicates to its employees that uh, experimentation and trying things out is encouraged and if you fail and learn something from it it's it's a great and, and beautiful thing then perhaps the 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 employees at, on a personal level wouldn't feel so I uh, wouldn't feel so negatively about uh, about failure as well. So it's it's a very complex topic, I think. I'm a, I'm a huge basketball fan, right? right? And in in basketball, they don't measure success from whether you make a basket or not. So when somebody shoots, right, a good shot, there's such a thing as a good shot, and there's such a thing as a bad shot. Now this is this is the crazy thing. You can have a good shot that misses. That doesn't go in. That gets you zero points. But you can have a good shot. But you can also have a bad shot that goes in. That gets you two points. Right. But that can be classed as a bad shot. So how basketball players and coaches and trainers, how do they, how they measure whether a shot is good or bad is the process of getting that shot. So the team works together and then they pass the ball to the man that's open, meaning there's no defenders around him. And if that guy takes the shot, that's a good shot. Right. Does that make sense? So then they don't care whether the shot goes in or not. If you take a good shot, then it's like, great shot, well done, get back on defense. Uh, right. So inversely, if a, a superstar player doesn't pass the ball and he just drives into five defenders and jumps through them all and then does a reverse in the air flip shot and it goes in, 
that's still a bad shot. They call it a bad shot. Right. Like, that's a bad shot. So I love that. Um, and you can, you know, you can use that. It's all about if you, so look, bringing it back into our field, if I've, or maybe not even work, let's just bring it to personal life. If I've done everything that I set out to do, you know, if I've, if I followed my processes and I experimented and then I still didn't achieve the goal, whatever the goal was, I don't know, make money, let's say, then I should still be happy. Even though it's a failure, I should be yeah. happy and learn from it and grow. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. So as that, long as you've learned from it, as yeah. long as you've learned from it, because that's really key. You know, if if you keep failing, and if you keep sort of um, falling face down and not learning anything from it, then it's just failures for the sake of failures. Yeah, and you can also have well, like you, when you first your first uh, website, you made money, right? But doesn't mean you necessarily learn from it. You just, you know, what I'm saying, it's like the the shot that goes in, but it's a bad shot, right? Just yeah. because you made money from it, it doesn't mean it was necessarily, you, you necessarily followed the right protocols, the, yeah. the right things to do, and you didn't learn from it. That's why your next few failed. Right. So what you're saying is that at the end of the day, you know, in basketball and in life, it doesn't always matter whether you succeed or fail, but what matters is that you take the right steps and you learn from uh, from each step you take. Yes. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be about the results. It should be about the process. It's about developing and making your processes better every day. Exactly. You know, I, I used to, to illustrate that point with, with one more example. Um, one of the things I did when I was, uh, when I was a teenager, yeah, when I was younger, uh, to make money uh, was playing cards for a living. So for a number of years, I played poker. I traveled around the world and I I, I, uh, I played cards. And wow. in in poker, you know, when it comes to um, short distance, when it comes to any individual game or any individual tournament, it doesn't matter how good you are. Yes. Um, simply because even if you make all the right decisions, yes, yes, you yes. Can still lose. Yes, absolutely. Really good example. So if you then, make all the right decisions and you lose, exactly. you shouldn't feel bad. Exactly. So in poker as well, they have uh, sort of different terminology that determines whether, whether you're going to be successful in the long run. So it's all about the long run. Exactly. And it's all about making the right decisions because mathematically it's going to pay off in the long run. Yes. And of course, if you keep making those, if, if, if you keep failing, uh, even if you make good decisions, there is a very good chance that you will keep failing and it's very discouraging but as long as you know that you keep learning and you keep making the right moves eventually you will succeed it's just simple mathematics yes i love that yeah it's the same so it's like if if the team just going quickly back to basketball just so i can connect this to what you just said with poker <laughs> um if you keep shooting good shots Meaning yes. if you keep passing the ball around and waiting for the guy to be open and then keep shooting those good shots, eventually over the course of the game, the numbers will work out and you, exactly. will, you, know, you will bring the odds in your favor. If you keep taking bad shots, even though they might go in in the short term, this one might go in and the next one might go in, in for the whole of the game, you cannot win a game by just making bad shots. Exactly. Hey, so I want to quickly 
I remembered something you said earlier. I want to go back to it. You said you didn't have a mentor. Yeah. How important is having a mentor, and have you ever had a mentor since then, or you've never had one? You know what? I I wish I had one、um, back when I was young. Unfortunately, I didn't. So I had to. Um, sort of improvise a little bit, and perhaps use the internet as my as my mentor and as my resource.、Um, luckily, I had that available. Yes. But you know, looking back at it,、um, I'm sure that I could have avoided many many mistakes if I only had someone to tell me,、uh, you know, if I'm doing something wrong.、Mm. Um, I have to say that you know, throughout my life, I haven't had a lot of mentors. I haven't had a lot of mentors. There were periods in my life where、uh, I did.、Uh, when I was when I was studying here in Finland, I was studying business, and, and、uh, I was sort of feeling particularly discouraged. And and I joined and I enrolled in a in a mentorship program, and、uh, I was paired with a、uh, with a very successful、uh, successful gentleman、uh, who was an immigrant in Finland, and he he had an amazing story,、um, and he ended up in a very sort of high level position. And、mm. he encouraged me to sort of、um, to not give up and keep pushing and keep trying. And uh, uh, he really sort of、um, perhaps prevented me from moving away from Finland. I was I was very close to doing that. I was somehow at some point maybe discouraged about my prospects as a as a foreigner in Finland. And he he encouraged me to stay, and that made a big impact on me. And I remember that a few years after that, I was、uh, I was boarding a plane and I was going to. At、uh, the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, and and I was about to speak there actually at at、uh, at a small event, which was for me as a as a 23 year old was an amazing thing, and I was sat just purely by accident next to that mentor on the plane. Wow! And 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 he looked at me and it was like, wow! So you didn't leave after all? You stayed in Finland? I was like, yeah. Well, thanks to you, you know, you <laughs>、uh, you the advice that you gave me, the the time that you. Uh, spent on talking to me and encouraging me, it really, it really helped me push through that difficult time that I had. So it was really important. I have to say that after that,、um, I haven't had a lot of mentors. I do sort of have a strong network of people、uh, who I consider very close to me on a, on a professional, personal level, who I always go to for advice because、mm. to me, it's really,、uh, it's really important to、uh, be. Open-minded and sort of not get hung up on the views that I have, and I sort of proactively seek out people who would disagree with me, or who perhaps know more about a subject than I do. And I, I, I consider those discussions as a form of mentorship. Man, I'm, I, I never even had that. Like what you said, you know, just that short little thing. I've never had a mentor, and I've always、no. wished I had one. I've always been jealous of people who had.、Um, I've mentored others, but I've、yeah. never had one myself. But like you said, now、mm-hmm. it's 2020. Even before that, we have the internet, and I feel like,、yeah. even though I missed it when I was young, now you know I can have Seth Godin as a mentor. Exactly. You know? Do you know what I mean? I can have. Whoever I want as a mentor, they're they're all out there sharing, like everybody's sharing everything. So, so we should all be taking advantage. You know, I, I feel、Absolutely. really, really、um, lucky to be alive in this era. Absolutely, we're so privileged, and it's so easy to reach out to people you admire. 
and just like you said, I, I am mentoring a couple of people right now. Mm. And um, all of those people simply had simply reached out to me on, on LinkedIn or through some other means. And they said, look, uh, you have the skills and the experience that I would love to have. And I, I, I would just want to, I would want to have a little bit of your time and a little bit of your advice. And, uh, and most of the time I do say yes when I, when I can sort of do it time-wise. Mm. Um, and it's been a rewarding experience for me as well, sort of sharing, sharing my knowledge and, and helping someone else uh, get to where they want to be. It's, it's, it's even more rewarding than being mentored by someone. Hey, let me ask uh, you a question on that subject. Do you ever, well, let me, like, when I get asked certain questions or specific questions, like for me, you know, it might be in the field of uh, video, video marketing, and I'll, I'll answer generally, and then I'll tell people, seriously, you have access to any professional you want online. And I don't mean for direct contact. I mean, you can get all the answers. You, all the answers you're asking me, you can search and you can find a YouTube video about it or a podcast or an article. Do you ever, and I always, and I do feel bad. All right. You can be honest with me. Like I do feel bad when, because when I say that, I, I, I find people get disappointed. And then it's only recently that I've learned that people, how do I put it? People don't have the skills to search. I feel like that's one of the skills in today's world that not everybody has just because of the huge overwhelming amount of information out there. Like I still get people who ask me, um, Hey, what, what kind of camera should I use to vlog? I'm like, dude, you can go right now and search that question and get so many good answers. Why are you asking me? And then because they want a direct answer from me, they don't want me to tell them, go and search for it. Do you, right. do you understand what I'm saying? Like, do you ever find that? You know, I get it. Um, I understand what you're saying. And I, I, I do get approached with questions like that as well. And I, and I generally do give them the same answers, like go and go and research that. But at the same time, I feel like there are perhaps two different types of questions that people can approach you with. And the yes. first one is, is a question like that, right? What's the what's the best tool or what's the best uh, you know software or camera to use, or what's the best skill to learn? Yes. But then there are different types of questions because just like you said, the amount of information out there, the amount of options that people have, especially when you're just starting out, is just overwhelming. Yes. And when people come to me with questions about where they should start. Or what I think would be sort of the more beneficial skill to learn, or perhaps the direction they should uh, should look into. Then those are the questions I usually take a bit more seriously, and I put some thought into it, and I ask myself, what would I do if I was that person? Um, because I know that it can be very confusing if you're just starting out, and it, there's just too much information. There are so many different paths you can take, and I, I'd love to share. <clears throat> I'd love to share my experience on what I would do if I was that person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, if, if, if a young marketer asks me, you know, what, what skills do you think I should learn to be um, an interesting sort of hiring prospect for an agency like yours in, in the next 12 months, right? Uh, and as okay. a digital marketer, there's a million different things you can learn. 
there is a million different directions you can take and certifications and tools. And it's not always obvious uh, because when you start Googling that, you get a million different opinions. And I feel like, you know, sharing my perspective is, is perhaps valuable to them. And it's not something that they would sort of easily find online. Really? Like, do you, you don't think they'll find somebody else's perspective on, I'd say, I'd say here's, here's my thing. I've just nailed it in my head now what it is. Mm-hmm. The thing that I, for me is, I really don't value specific hard skills. I value mm-hmm. processes. So meaning, so when somebody comes and asks me a specific question like that, hey, what should I do? What skills should I learn? What, what should I do? I always start with, seriously, the ancient Greeks tried to do it 2,500 years ago. And we still, today, we still fail at it. And what it is, their instruction is know thyself. So first know yourself. And I always want to get philosophical because I feel like if you have that base, your, your operating system, your OS is solid, then you can put any app on top of that. Do you know what I'm saying? So as, as a human body, if your OS is, is, you know, if you know how to communicate, if you know how to listen, right. if you know how to learn, if you, you know, if you know how to learn, then you can learn everything. So the thing that I would recommend is always learn how to learn, like figure out how to figure out the processes rather than, um, Google AdWords or, yeah. you know, doing uh, Facebook ads or doing video marketing, vertical video, you know, 4K, H, you know, all of that stuff. Forget about the specifics. Yeah. Fix, fix yourself at the core because then everything comes easy. You know, I, th- I think it's a very interesting angle, but do you also think that people who are in need of mentorship, do you feel like this information is obvious to them? Do you, do you feel like they, they know that this is what they should do? So if, if a person comes to you and they ask you, you know, uh, what skills should I learn? And if, you're, yes, if your perspective yes. is that they should learn to learn first, then maybe <laughs> it's something that you could help them with. You know? Yeah, great point. Really good point. I guess, you know, I'm generalizing a little bit. Obviously, I can judge. Uh, but most of the time, when, when I can see that a person is putting too much emphasis on the specific skills and they have a really limp handshake, then it's yeah. like, I can just tell, dude, you haven't figured out how to be an intelligent person yet. Figure right. that part out first. You know, like, you don't know how to look someone in the eye yet. You don't know how to, you don't know how to communicate yet. I, I think, I, I feel like those things are closely related, but those are also the kind of things that people need mentorship on. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, having had this one experience with a mentor, what he helped me with were perhaps not the hard skills, not the concrete skills, but the encouragement and the direction that I should be taking or looking into. And perhaps the belief in myself sometimes and my abilities and my skills and, and sort of this this will to keep going and keep trying and and the idea that I'm headed in the right direction and perhaps I'm facing a rough patch right now. And, and if only your mentor was there to sort of 
help you push through it, you would probably be much more likely to get to the this positive result that you want to get to. So mentorship to me is not just about the hard skills, or actually probably not at all about the hard skills, because like you yes. said, you can learn those. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Information is out there. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I've said that specifically. I've done video workshops where, I, where I've told people you can search everything. So I'm not going to teach you that. What yeah. I, and what I what I value, and I do. You know, I'm making it sound like I'm, I'm the worst advice giver ever. What I'm saying is, yeah, when people come to me, I always try to give them the philosophy because that's what I really value. Like, get it right in your head. Know yourself. Learn communication skills. That's it. That's all you exactly. need. And learn how to learn, learn how to search. Cause once you have, you know, it's like the old saying, I don't want to give you a fish. I want to teach you how to catch, catch fish. I don't yeah. want to just, I don't want to just give you salmon steak. I want to teach you how to go fishing. And that's what I want from other people. From, you know, I want to, I would love to find a mentor who, who can do that to me. So you like to sort of uh, narrow it down to a few core, yeah. simple life principles. That That's your thing, right? Yes. Maybe it's too simplistic, but that's what I like to do. But if, if it helps you, you know, I, I, I do agree with you in, in, um, in principle that simplicity is fantastic and it's important in marketing and in life. And um, I think, uh, you know, a thing that we discussed with you before before this call is that you feel that people um, learn most of the core skills and principles by the time they become adults. Is is that true? Yes. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm glad you remembered that. Yeah, that's one of my core beliefs. I feel like you know everything you need to know by the uh -huh. time you're 23. Yeah. But do you do you feel like you know the when we talked about it the first time it kind of stuck with me and I thought about it uh, for a while afterwards and. I feel like it is true to an extent. Uh, you know, I feel like we, by the time we become 21, 22, 23, we, we learn a lot of the core principles of life and uh, happiness and learning, perhaps. Things yeah. like, you know, be grateful, be kind, be yes. hard work, keep learning. Those are the universal truths, right? Yes. Those are the things that we all know. Yes. And we tend to forget they and get we lost. need a reminder of they get lost in the in the day to day and we need to get reminded of those things right yes, yes. and i do agree with you on that and it's a very i think it's a very strong point but then i also feel like there are things and perspectives that you learn as you become more experienced as you expose yourself to new thoughts and ideas perhaps mm. maybe you know looking back at myself when i was 23 i was in no way sort of mature enough to perhaps understand some of the things that I understand now. And a lot of those things were things that people had told me already then, but I just couldn't. That's I, what I, it, yes, that's what I'm saying. Y yeah, you're helping me make my point, which is you already knew it, but I guess you just didn't know how to apply to it. It didn't. Exactly. It's you not new information. Right? It's not. You know what? You know what? Though um, there, there are some like I have examples from my my personal life where some concepts and some ideas come to me as I expose myself to those ideas, and it's perhaps not always the things that anyone had told me. Right? I, I can give you a very concrete example. Yeah, and please. I'm a pretty ambitious person, and my entire life I've been uh, setting very high goals for myself, and 
you know, when it comes to my career, my 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 personal life, um, and what I've noticed, you know, in my sort of mid twenties is that even if I accomplish those goals, I'm generally never really happy, right? You you accomplish a goal, and then immediately you sort of set an even higher goal for yourself, and you start chasing that. So you never really enjoy the process and you never end up enjoying the result either and that was just something that i realized uh, i realized a couple of years ago and um, mm. i've been trying to sort of understand it a lot of bit. i've been trying to um, learn how to live with this very ambitious nature but at the same time be happy in the moment and i was looking at different uh different philosophies and different uh, ways of looking at this and uh, reading books and talking to people and and nothing would come nothing would come and until maybe three or four months ago, actually, when I was uh, I was talking to a person at a party and we somehow got to this very deep conversation. Mm. And what that person told me was, um, uh, she told me a story of Andy Warhol, right? The uh, mm-hmm. American pop artist mm-hmm. uh, who made a lot of famous paintings. And he was a very, very eccentric man. He had uh, different peculiar peculiar things are about him, but just like me, he learns that when he reaches the goals that he sets for himself, he it's almost never as good as he thought it was going to be, and mm. it's always disappointing. So, what he did, he learned to disconnect his expectations from reality. So, what Andrew Warhol learned to do is separate the the way you feel when you're sort of dreaming about it and you're setting the goals from the actual results. So that's, you get to enjoy both of them separately, Mm. right? So now when you're thinking about this project and you're enjoying the feeling, uh, the dreams and the thoughts of how great it's going to be when you reach that target, Mm. but then when you finally reach it and you accomplish it, you learn to let go of those expectations and you sort of accept the feelings and the, the experiences that come with reaching that goal. And most likely they're going to be very different. They're going to be very different from the expectations that you have. But if you learn to sort of disconnect from uh, from what you have been waiting for and expecting, then you get to enjoy this part as well. Yeah. And you enjoy the dreams and, and the goal setting part, and you also enjoy the part where you reach the target. And to me, that was a brand new way of looking at things. I had never heard that before, that particular philosophy. Mm. And no one has ever told me that. And to me, that was just like a sudden revelation, you know, and I was 29 years old at the time. And it just hit me. I was like, I've been looking for this answer my whole life. No one has ever told me that. And this could be (laughs) the way I should probably look at it. And for the last couple of months or so, I've been trying to approach my goals from that philosophy and that perspective and it's been it's made my life so much easier i get to enjoy my goals and enjoy my expectations and i get to enjoy the actual result when i get there in a very separate way but both of them sort of bring joy to me Mm. so the point i'm trying to make is that it's not something i knew before and i wish someone had told me that but no one did and it's through sort of this process of maybe searching and self-exploration was that i kind of arrived to that to that new new information this this new perspective okay okay interesting well then i would probably respond with saying i think uh my guess would be that you knew a version of it because 
the only reason that resonated so strongly with you when when that girl told you at the party the only reason that connected really strongly with you is because somewhere deep down you know it's like a jigsaw piece mm-hmm. you have the opening somewhere deep down and then this new piece came in and it fit perfectly otherwise it wouldn't have, it would have just been like a random thing you heard at a party the reason it connected with you is because you had a you had it already in you it was just buried deep down you've forgotten about it that's that's what i would say you know it, it could be that or it could also be that i was sort of open to new ideas and new perspectives and i was sort of consciously searching for those yeah and that's why when i heard it it resonated so strongly with me you know it could be that i, I i've had sort of pieces of it in yeah, me yeah some version of it or no maybe perhaps but it could also be the fact that I've been looking for it um, and yeah. I knew that something I need to learn. So, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, cool. I'm really... Uh, thanks for that example that it does help. For me, it sounds similar to what we were talking about before, which is enjoy the process, right? Yeah. Don't think about the end goal because if we live and die by the end goal, whether it's success or failure, you know, even when success comes, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. Whereas if you enjoy the process, then success and failure is becomes a separate thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something that took me many years to learn. But, you know, at the end of the day, life is really short and you need to enjoy it. You need to enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the process and have a little bit of fun. Because that's... That's important. You know what? You, after speaking to you now, I'm actually going to amend my uh, hypothesis before. Because I've always, I've said this for a while now. I've always said, I believe we know what we need to know by the time we're in our early 20s. But now with this newfound information, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add an amendment. <laughs> I think what it is, I believe... We ha- Okay, here it is. This is my new statement. This is my new belief. I believe we have the seeds. They're in us. And they're planted by the time we're 22, 23. And right. then do they blossom? Do they grow? That, that, that becomes a question for the rest of your life. I just think that everything in you is in you. You can connect to it somehow when you, with life experience and maturity isn't it you know i i think it's it's a good amendment but then now that you've been you've been saying these words <laughs> isn't it a bit of a fatalistic way of looking at things because if you're supposed to learn you know all the core principles by the time by the time you're in your early 20s what if you haven't what if your life circumstances have been such that perhaps yeah. didn't allow for that does that mean that you should we should write that person off and essentially, you know, not give them a chance of not give them a chance to to learn those skills later in life? Hmm. That's a good question. When we say core principles, we have to define them. And I'm talking about the basic core principles on how to be a human being. Right? A a good human being and be good to the rest of humanity. Right. So, the golden principle. Yeah. You do, we don't need to be told that, you know, just the stuff you said before, just be kind, 
you shouldn't need to be told if you're 25 years old. You shouldn't need to be told, yeah. hey, you have to be kind to people. It's an interesting philosophy. It's an interesting way of, of looking at things. How big of a role do you feel that a person's upbringing and their parents play in that? Yeah, I think parents have a, parents play a huge part. It's the big question, nature versus nurture. And I do believe parents and upbringing have a lot to do with it. And bear in mind, I'm just talking about the core, your core, the knowledge to live. The way I always say it is the knowledge to live a successful, balanced life, not the tactics, not the specifics. Right. What Yeah. things you need to do to live a good life, I think we have it inbuilt in us. Yeah, it's 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 a good philosophy, and I, I have to say that you know I do do agree with you on on most of those parts. And um, I, I I've recently started sort of actively reminding myself of some of those core principles every morning. I have like a set of uh, set of cards, and you pick a card every single morning. They're face down, and each card sort of contains one of those principles, like mm. being kind to yourself or listening to others or and not being too harsh, you know, on yourself or other people. And and all of those things are the things that you know, and you've always known them, perhaps. Exactly. You probably learned them when you were a young adult. But what's really important is just to keep reminding yourself of those things consciously. And I've, I've found that it helps me just to start every day with uh, a reminder of, of what's really important and what's sort of at the core of, of my values. And I, and I love what you just said, because I said be kind, but what you said was more accurate. You said be kind to yourself, and we have to start there. And, and the first episode of this podcast, which I did like six months ago, I talked yeah. about being good to yourself, because a lot of us forget that. How, how yeah. crazy is that, that we have to remind people to be good to themselves? Absolutely. And it, it, it's for me personally, it's been one of the most uh, difficult things. And it's something that I'm still struggling yeah. with. Sometimes, and I have to consciously yes. remind myself all the time that <laughs> yeah. I am the most important person in my life or one of the most important. No, people. you should and be the most. Don't take it exactly. back. Don't take it and back. And if I can't be kind to myself, yes. I can't truly be kind to other people. Oh my God. That's exactly what I said in the very first episode of this podcast. And people still... I still see it. People not like these days now, I don't want to get too political, but every young person I meet talks about how, you know, the world is dying and how the planet is going to be destroyed and oh, the planet is being destroyed and we're all destroying it. Yeah. Great. Yeah, fine. You know, if you don't make yourself the best version of you that can possibly be, how do you expect to save the planet? Exactly. Exactly. And you know what's a very interesting interesting principle that I learned maybe one or two years ago? Um, I've read it somewhere. I have no idea where. I have no idea who came up with it. But it goes like this. A lot of us want to be better people. Uh, you want to be the kind of person who uh, makes, a, say, a positive impact on the planet or, or other people's lives. And you want to be kind to other people. A lot of us want to want to be that person, right? But then what's important is to act as if you already were that person, right? Mm. It's to every time you make any decision about anything, 
you ask yourself, what would that person do? And then for me, it made a big difference, sort of not thinking that I would like to be kinder and I would like to be uh, more sustainable or, you know, uh, environmentally friendly, but actually consciously act as if I already was that person, because then eventually you do become that person. Mm. And it sort of, it reminds you of taking those actions and, and being kind and being good in the moment. Yeah. And I just want to add one fact. We're getting a little bit philosophical here. I wanted to talk about yeah, marketing. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> this is supposed to be about marketing. But I just want to... It was supposed to be. Yeah, what happened there? <laughs> um, I'm still feeling uh, like I haven't completed my statement about... Because uh, I don't want you to think that... Or I don't want the l- people listening to think that I don't believe you can learn, you know, after you're 20, 30. I, yeah. I believe you can learn all the way until your last days, right? We, we're learning all the time. I truly believe that. And I learn something yeah. every day. What I mean is when we're born, we have our natural instincts. We we know what's good and what's bad. We know what's right and what's wrong. We know it. And then I just added a random number. I added 23. But, you know, there's a once you're 20, 21, 22, you've had enough time to hone those, those, you know, instincts that you're born with. So by that age, you know what's right and what's wrong. My point is yeah. retaining it. And that's why this podcast yeah. is, you know, I always talk about reminding and reminders, reminding the uh-huh. obvious things because we've learned it all. We need to retain it and remind ourselves. That's the point. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting philosophy. I can't say that it's something that I would sort of fully uh, 100% agree with or get behind, but it's definitely something to think about. And the first time you told me that, it definitely gave me a lot of food for thought. And I'm sure that people listening to this are also having a lot of, it, it sort of, it makes you think, which I think is maybe the most important thing about, uh, about bringing these things up as well. Mm. All right, so, all right, then, in closing, can you give me, because I really love obvious things, and this podcast (laughs) is called Noticing the Obvious, give me one obvious marketing tip that the majority of your clients miss, and it's the most obvious thing. Everybody knows it already. I know it, but remind me, what is that obvious thing that we miss? You know... (sighs) I think once again, the most important thing that everybody knows, but everyone still somehow feels weird about is the fact that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to fail. And not only is it okay, but you should do it and you have to do it and you have to, that's the only way to progress. That's the only way to evolve through failure and sort of controlled experiments, because that's how you get to the best version of yourself and your product and your marketing processes and the campaigns that you run. And you shouldn't be afraid of it. You should encourage it. It's, it's a beautiful thing and you should build it within yourself and your organizational culture as well. Keep trying, keep learning, keep improving. It's going to be, it's going to be more fun that way as well. You're just going to enjoy your life and your work so much more when you see yourself getting better all the time. So it's an obvious thing, but we tend to forget it and we tend to suppress it. Yes, I love that. And it totally qualifies. 
Like we all know failure is part of the journey. We all know we can't succeed without failure. But exactly. when it comes, we all we're still affected by it in the wrong way. Like, oh, we forget that this is. We forget that we're supposed to be failing. We forget that this is part of the process. Exactly. So hopefully, hopefully, someone listening to this podcast will uh, be reminded of that and go out and, and fail spectacularly. Go out, <laughs> fail and learn and get better and do something awesome. Yeah, I and mean, what I think it's Eric Schmidt uh, from Google who said, um, "Set unattainable goals and fail well." <laughs> I think, fail well. I think that's it what he said. I'm not sure, you know, exact words, but I do remember fail well. So it's about failing well. There's there's a yes. way to fail properly. Exactly. All right, exactly. cool. I know you've had a really long day, so I will let you go. Thank you so much, David. It was super Thanks fun. Thanks for having me. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. All right, that was David Blinov. You can find him on his website, davidblinov.com. That's David Blinov, B-L-I-N-O-V.com. And his agency's website is thefcompany.com. Both links are in the show notes. I'm Tant Lei. That's it from me. Hope you enjoyed listening and see you next time.